0: Hey, everybody, this is Paige Bierman, and you are listening to the Redeemed Women podcast. I'm really excited for you to listen to my conversation with Christy Harmon. Um, Christy and her husband, William, have been faithful members of Redeemer for quite a while now, and they have served in several different capacities. Um, But what Christy and I talk about um, are her early experiences with grief and trauma. Um, She began her life um, being adopted and then for several years in a row experienced the loss of loved ones, whether it be grandparents or family friends or even a friend in high school. Um, What I love most about this conversation with Christy is how she she just really gave a great example of not shoving your emotions down, um, allowing yourself to feel emotions and to um, just take those to the Lord. Um, I think she describes really well what it means to experience sadness and to really walk through grief while also um, holding tight to the hope that we have in Jesus. Um, I think I would be remiss to say if you yourself are experiencing grief or trauma in any form, way or fashion, we really hope that you would reach out that you would reach out to a brother or sister um, in Christ or within your home group or within the church. Um, I hope that this podcast encourages you and that you um, just hear some words of comfort from Christy, but um, don't be a stranger, reach out and know that you're not alone. Uh, So without further ado, here's my conversation with Christy Harmon. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm really excited to have a conversation with Christy Harmon. Christy has been at Redeemer for quite some time and is another real life friend of mine. So I'm really excited, um, Christy, for you to just share a lot about your upbringing and what the Lord has done in your life. Um, And who knows, maybe we'll get on some tangents and that'll be fun too so um, Christy just go ahead say hey and tell us a little bit about you yes hey everybody I'm Christy Harmon
1: married to William Harmon and we have been at Redeemer for seven years married for nine years and um we've got a little girl, Charlie Ann, and she's two
0: years old, and then we've got a little boy coming in January. So that's us. That's awesome. Um, so you've been at Redeemer seven years, um, which y'all are vital reasons as to why the beermans are at Redeemer. Y'all invited us to come. Um I didn't realize that. That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Um, so we moved here and y'all told us about your church. You're we're like, welcome sweet. Redeemer for yeah. <laughs> inviting the pyramids to church. So we were like, sure. Okay. We'll go to William and Christie's church and option, uh, uh, a little visit. And then we showed up and like half of Auburn was here and we we're like, oh, sweet. Okay. We actually know some people. So, um, but how did y'all find Redeemer? How, what was the process of y'all coming here? Yeah, we, uh,
1: somebody told us when we first moved to Birmingham, like, find a church and just get plugged in quick. And so we were like, okay. And so we joined, we, we went to another church and then got in a small group right away and realized this is not the church for us. So we had to like, within the first month of coming to Birmingham, like break up with the church basically. Oh. And so then we took a little bit of time going around to different churches and we um, landed at Redeemer. I think Joel Brooks actually was, um, was just so transparent, and uh, he confessed, like, a thought that he had had to the entire church the first week that we were there. It was, like, a prideful thought that he confessed to everybody, and we were, like, we want to follow this man because mm. he's so um, humble and real and just loves God's Word. So that's how we ended up at Redeemer. Man. Um, seven years ago, it looked a little bit different. Yeah, we were at Cornerstone in the lunchroom meeting nice. I think
0: it was the lunchroom there's no telling it is yeah there have been so many uh iterations of Redeemer and I love so much I think it's so funny that we bought this building and we're here for you know, what, what like four years or something and now we're like lol we're gonna meet in a parking <laughs> deck it's like God's like haha you thought you were you thought you were going to be here, but I'm going to push you into a parking just deck. Just kidding. Um, um, so I, it's funny to think that one day I might be talking to someone and I'll go like, well, how did you come here? And they're like, well, our first service was in the parking deck. Yep. And I'll go, oh, yeah, okay. That that version of Redeemer. Got it. Um, no, but this is not about the parking deck and where we meet. This is about you. Um, so there's our first tangent that we got off on. But uh, will you just go into a little bit of your story? Like... I mean, knowing you, I know there's just so much depth. Um, And so, yeah, just tell us a little bit of like how you came to know the Lord. Yeah,
1: I love that question because I always think I'm still coming to know the Lord. Like I'm still, (laughs) I'm still getting to know him. I know him more hopefully today than I did yesterday. And that's what I love about the Lord is that there is so much more to know about him and And I think that that's reflected in my story in that there wasn't like a day when it was like, this is the time when I came to know Jesus, but, um, definitely my understanding of him and my seeing the gospel as beautiful and understanding my own sin, like that has, you know, obviously taken place over time. But, um, I would say that my story has been marked with a lot of brokenness and, Um, both because of just, like, life circumstances, but also just because of my own sin. And I was adopted as an infant. And so just in that in and of itself, I feel like, you know, that's not how things are supposed to be. You aren't supposed to be not able to stay with your biological parents. But that was, you know, my story from birth. And thankfully, I was adopted into a really incredible family. Um, My parents know and love the Lord, um we were not a perfect family by any means we've done a lot of counseling but um yeah
0: does that exist I don't yeah think no, no such exists. thing <laughs>
1: as perfect family whenever somebody says like I was born into a normal family I'm like okay I know exactly what that means that means lots of brokenness and lots mm-hmm. of crazy and chaos you mm-hmm. know but there's no such thing as normal outside of that but um when You know, my parents, they love the Lord, but we're not big on talking about emotions. And we had a lot of just really hard things happen. From when I was in first grade through college, really, almost every year, somebody close to me or close to our family passed away, Um, be that a car crash, there's a tornado that came through our neighborhood, um, cancer, suicide, plane crash. I mean, just... um, I just saw lots of death really early on in my Mm -hmm. life. And um, I would not say that, like, I had a really challenging childhood by any means because of that. But um, definitely the way that I internalized that and processed that was that I felt like it was my role to hold everything and everyone together. And so um, in first grade when both of my grandparents died, one on my dad's side, one on my mom's side, I was like, okay, I've got to make everybody happy. I've got to, Mm. you know, I, I need to be the one that kind of holds everything together for everybody. And, and so I think I internalized a lot of hard things that happened, um, then, and then throughout the years after that. And I, did know the gospel I did know who Jesus was and I think I definitely accepted that he was sovereign over circumstances um but I didn't believe that he was sovereign over emotions and that Mm. he could handle like I trusted okay he's probably got purpose in this right but I didn't believe like that he could handle my sadness or my grief or other people's sadness and grief and I just was always trying to like fix it and cover it up and make it better um and I did that a lot through um you know when I was younger trying to make my parents happy and just being good and just like
0: obedience yes obedience
1: and doing well in school um and my Parents. My dad's an engineer. My mom was like physics, everything. Oh, okay. And so they're just very, very like black and white, very smart. And so I think that was the first time that I really felt inadequate was when I really struggled in school and had some learning disabilities, probably attached, attached to adoption, you know, related like in utero trauma um, and just felt like, oh, my goodness, I am not enough for my parents. I'm not smart enough. I'm not as smart as my friends. And, um, that, that really shaped me. And I feel like there was some shame that kind of seeped into my heart in my life then. And so I tried, even then I tried to just be the happy one so that that was the thing that people would see about me. And they wouldn't notice like, Oh, she has a hard time in school. Um, and then in high school, <laughs> I really feel like I just kind of, gave up on trying to make other people happy. Like mm. I was like, it doesn't work. I can't control other people's feelings. It's too hard. And what my friends want and what my parents want are two totally different things. Right. And so They're
0: competing against one another. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. And um, so I, I also, that was a year, my sophomore year in high school, I had a close friend commit suicide and it was somebody that I knew had struggled a lot. Mm. And I thought, I could fix it, and obviously I couldn't, um, and so that really wrecked me, and kind of sent me into a tailspin of just running to whatever I could, that I thought could, um, that I thought I could control, and could make me happy, and, um, especially relationships with guys, um, that were not healthy, were not good for me, and, um, I just really felt like there's no way that God could love me Um, because, I mean, I knew that he loved me because I'd grown up hearing the gospel, but I just had never really experience that love because I had never really experienced myself falling like as a sinner mm. in such a significant way. Then when I did like fall into just a lot of sin and darkness, it was like, oh gosh, there's no coming out of this. Um, cause yeah. I believed that I had more control than I did. Um, and that's where William actually, my husband now, we actually met in middle school at summer camp and, um,
0: like, he, sp- I can't, I just can't. Yeah. I, like I met a in a school, page like, <laughs> I also just want, like, should any middle schooler hear this? (laughs) I'm like, this probably, this, it has to be like one in a million, right? That you marry, who you meet in middle school at summer camp? Probably. The Lord knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. It's just. Still yeah, middle schoolers. this is not like, the norm this is definitely not the norm um if but there is a middle schooler that is
1: listening to this podcast they deserve a medal that they've gotten this yeah far. seriously I'm like man good for you you're
0: so mature maybe it will work for you
1: I don't yeah, know totally yes well I did meet William in middle school and um I totally had a crush on him he had a crush on me and we kind of like Hit it off. But he, Paige, was like the good boy from yeah. Christian school. He, we didn't even live in the same state, so we just see each other in the summers. And so I was living this wildlife in high school, and he was like walking with the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was my senior year in high school when he, I was just really at kind of a breaking point, and um, a lot came out about the life that I was living, and mm-hmm. he found out about Um, A guy I was dating that I hadn't told him about, and um, he was really devastated, but then I was going to have to spend that summer with him, with him as my boss, and the way that he was so kind to me, even though um, I really messed up a lot and messed up any chance I had a relationship with him, um, he just showed me this kindness I did not deserve and I realized that he was one of the first guys I ever met that he didn't need me like Mm -hmm. he had the Lord and he was confident in the Lord and he wasn't looking to me for his worth or his identity or anything else and Being like a people pleaser, I kind of gravitated towards people that needed me, you know, or like needed me to fix their problems or needed me to help them through grief or needed me for something. And he didn't need me. And that both terrified me, but also was really, really refreshing.
0: Yeah.
1: And I feel like that that was the summer, um, just seeing him being so kind to me, um, was the summer that I really realized and experienced God's unconditional love and that, I felt like, okay, <laughs> I don't need to be perfect for everybody. Like, I don't need to be perfect for God either. And um, so th- I would say that was a summer that kind of transformed my walk with Him. And I just grew so hungry for God's Word that summer and soaked it in, like just wanted to read and understand mm-hmm. the Bible. Freshman year at Auburn, got really plugged into a small group and – um William and I started dating at that point and got married two years later. And
0: that brings us to now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Man. Okay. So that was a lot. Um, I think my first question is like going way on back. Um, Where do you think, you know, you said that you were like constantly, like at the beginning it was kind of your parents trying to make them happy Um, knowing that they were sad and you felt sad, but you had to hold all of that together. Do you think that's just like your natural wiring or did you get some kind of like messaging that made you think that you needed to do that? Like, where did that come from? I mean, I'm a two on the Enneagram, so I
1: think it is part (laughs) of my natural wiring, but also tough emotions were not talked about in our family. Like, if everything was not good, then it wasn't discussed. And so... And I think my parents have this amazing ability to kind of segregate, you know, hard yeah. things from good things and, hey, it's a fact of the matter that something happened and move on. So I think there was definitely that messaging of, like,
0: yeah, like to focus on the good. Like, yeah, it wasn't. It's how they process things and keeping things right. compartmentalized where you were more like, I can't compartmentalize this. Like, I yes. feel sad. So what now? Yeah.
1: Well, they were also adults. So yeah. they had lived more life and I feel like you know, in so many ways I can, I have years now of seeing the Lord's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And so when hard things happen, it doesn't hit me as hard because I have this practice of, you know, <laughs> seeing how God worked in situations in the past. Whereas when you're a little, you don't have that. You don't know him in that intimate way. Right. And so I think, I think there's a combination of my personality and the messaging that I was getting at home. Mm-hmm. And then also just not knowing the Lord for a long time. Yeah.
0: Um, so you're a parent now and I'm assuming that you and William have probably walked through some hard things as well. Um, and Charlie Ann's still little, but I'm sure she's picking up on different things and you can talk to her and that kind of stuff. But how has kind of what you experienced, like, what are you trying to do? Like, how do you model that for her of emotions and truth And I don't know, I, it's, I don't know even what I'm asking, but just kind of like, there's so much good in emotions, while also like we all know someone who's like completely run by their emotions. Right. But then again, we don't want to be robots. Like, how like how do you walk through that kind of stuff now? Because I'm sure having a toddler, she has plenty of emotions. Big emotions all yes. the time. Yeah. I mean, I have big emotions. So, you know, yes. I'm still trying to figure this out. Yeah. But, um, so what kind of things do you do now? Like, what do you model? How do you talk about it?
1: I think... You know, this year's actually been well a hard year for literally everyone. Everybody. (laughs) Yeah. It started off in January for us with a miscarriage, and then I had in February a client that overdosed, and Mm. then we went into quarantine. (laughs) You know, it's just been it's been a hard year for everybody after another. Yes, and I think the thing that the Lord has taught me about parenting is I do not have to pretend to be something that I'm not for my child. And in fact, her seeing my real emotions and seeing when I'm sad or when I'm angry or when I'm hurt, her seeing that. And then as long as I'm in a healthy place and processing that in a way that's honoring to the Lord and turning to him for my strength, Mm -hmm. I think it's really good. Um, And so, I mean, sweet girl, she's, you know, seen me cry and, yeah, I would just say, Charlie and I'm really sad right now, and when we're sad, we turn to Jesus because yeah. Jesus loves us and cares about us, and that's the truth that I need to hear. <laughs> that He's the one that I need to be turning to, and I feel like in a way, parenting is just this like mi- like this like microscope of like who am I and what do I believe and how do yes. I simplify it down to a two year old. And it's been really good for me to kind of wrestle through like what do I want to teach her, but. I mean, God made us to have emotions, and that's a beautiful and good thing. And not just good emotions, but bad emotions or harder emotions, heavy emotions. Um, And so I want her to, you know, when she's sad, say she's sad. When she's feeling joy, feeling joy and, like, just identifying those and then processing those through the lens of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, where does our hope come from? It comes from the fact that we're not living life. Um for now we're yeah. living life for eternity and there is hope that one day Jesus is gonna come and
0: restore all the hard things, all the broken things. So you know. So whenever I mean you experienced a lot of things, like more than most people do in a lifetime, um, as far as losing people. Um, at what point did you recognize like wait? I'm not processing this correctly, or, like, maybe I'm not processing this at all. Like, was there a moment where you're like, oh, hold on, like, I'm carrying a lot of sadness? Yeah, I think it was maybe in college when um,
1: I was just away from my family where I felt like I was able to kind of process for myself and, you know— who am I what What is my mm-hmm. role here in this world? and kind of asking those big college questions of I feel course. like um, where and just time in the word also this summer, after my senior year of high school and then my after my freshman year of college, I went away to camp for the whole summer with like no cell phones, no distractions, just mm-hmm. God's word, and knowing learning who God is and seeing how his people fell so far. Um, I love J- the book of Jeremiah where it just talks about how like we are literally whores, like running to the thing that is not going to satisfy us. We are, can I say on the podcast? I guess I can. I guess
0: so, yeah. <laughs> I just we, did. We've done it so, now. So yeah, <laughs> but you know, we
1: are, we are unfaithful to the Lord and he, but he continues to pursue us. And it's so crazy to me that you know, it says, I don't, I think it's Jeremiah 29, like 13 that it says, um, we will call to the Lord and he will answer. He will hear us. Um, and that's not, that's a paraphrase. That's not the exact verse, but just, <laughs> I, I just think it's crazy that the Lord is actually with us and wants to be with us, even though we are sinful people. And I mm-hmm. think that it was in college that I really believed for the first time, a, that I was not perfect, could not hold things together and be that even though I wasn't perfect, that the Lord still desired to have a relationship with me. And that blows my mind. Yeah. Um, Because I think that my grief came in two parts. It was one, things that were external. But I think the greatest grief I've experienced is the grief over my own sin and just seeing the brokenness that I caused and the pain that I caused other people um, and the pain that I caused myself just by, instead of turning to him when things were hard, running the opposite direction. Um, I don't even know what your question was or if I that answered, answered it, it. But, but there you but go. You,
0: but that's when you like figured out yes. or at least recognize, like, wait, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on yeah. here and I haven't really dealt with any of it. Yeah.
1: And dealing with the shame of just, I feel like I had a lot of shame over my emotions because that wasn't mm-hmm. something I was used to processing. And um, I had... A really great mentor my senior year of high school um and kept up with me through through high through college just who really walked me through that and helped me realize that nobody I, I'm not that important yeah. <laughs> um I'm just really not that important in the grand scheme of things and it's I need I need Jesus just like everybody else does mm-hmm. probably more than everybody else does and that's okay and um it's okay to cry it's okay to be upset it's okay to be angry um but we have to turn to the lord with those things we can't just run and do our own thing because otherwise that's going to cause even more
0: pain right so um I guess I kind of got out of chronological order I think thinking about your high school yeah experience where I guess you weren't really – you had made the transition from, I'm not trying to just please everyone anymore and be perfect and make everyone happy. I'm now just, like, doing whatever I want. Um. In a way, I think – correct me if I'm wrong – you were probably just running. Yeah. Like you were just running from reality and emotions, and I'm just going to do me, if yeah. you will. trying to control everything in my life, mm-hmm. trying to – Yeah, just run away from the Lord. (laughs) Well, I think – but high school represents – no, maybe not everyone. It sounds like William was a fantastic high schooler, and he's who I pray my children are in high school. Yes. (laughs) But um, high school does represent a time, middle school and high school, where parents probably aren't the loudest voice in your head and friends are. And, you know, like you said, those were conflicting messages – um, what, like, do you think there's anything that your parents or adults could have done or said or anything or like, I don't know, maybe that's a dead end question, but well, I
1: just think about yeah. like,
0: you know, uh, not every high schooler runs in rebellion, but right. so many do, um, is there anything you wish someone had told you or wish someone had done? Yeah. I mean, I think.
1: Back to kind of the Charlie Ann question and this is not at all to say I mean my parent every parent just does the best that they can. Oh, you know of course. But of course. I'm, I'm sure
0: your parents were like praying and Yes. I never and understood the why behind
1: why we do good things. Mm, I okay. thought that I did good things to earn love. Mm-hmm. Um, to earn favor. Or just to stay under the radar enough to not be like causing trouble and Really the truth is we want to do good things because we know a good God and mm-hmm. it's like out of love for him that I want Charlie Ann to obey and if you know I mean I w- I want her to I want her to trust me and love me and that's why I want her to obey not because she's a little robot and right. <laughs> um you know or Somebody told me the example one time of like, what if your husband like comes home, does all the dishes, cleans the whole house and then is like, "Okay, I did my husbandly duties. I'm going to leave like check, you know, and it's like, no, like that's not how you build a relationship. Like you want to do it out of the relationship. And I think that that's what was missing for me growing up is that I didn't understand God's love for me. And so it wasn't in response to that, that I was trying to be perfect, trying to do good things. And it's, you don't have, nobody can do it perfectly. Nobody can hold it together. And at some point your allegiance is going to be, so I would just say to any parent, like, why are you, why are you asking your children to, to do good things? You know, it's Mm -hmm. not that we shouldn't, it's not that we shouldn't require things of our children. Of course, like we need to have them obey. We need to have them, but but tying them to tying it to the bigger picture. Right. The bigger picture of, hey, I want you to honor the Lord. Like it honors God when you do this. And
0: um. And, you know, you know, I in your example, in my example, I did not have, you know, the stellar high school experience either. But um taking some of the pressure off of parents too, like unless the Holy Spirit moves mm-hmm. and you have ears to hear, you know, you just keep loving and pressing on and preaching and doing everything you can, you know, and, and so I think part of it, you know, to give any adult in your life from high school off the hook, like
1: not their fault. Yeah.
0: Like no one comes to the Lord like on their own. Right. Um, no one comes to the Lord because of like a a specific word said, you know, like God moves and draws you closer to himself. Um, But yeah, but there is still a responsibility, obviously.
1: Well, and it's the broken things and the hard things that have caused me to know the Lord in the way that I do now. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yes, I don't want my child to go through hard things that I went through, but if it's what leads them to a good God, like, okay, like may it be Mm -hmm. so. may she go through even harder things if that's what it needs to take to get her to Jesus because ultimately that's all that I'm want for her is to know him yeah. um there's that quote by Spurgeon that I love That's I've learned to kiss the wave that's thrown me against the rock of ages and it's mm-hmm. like yeah like it's the hard things that cause us to realize our need for him and need for a rescuer mm-hmm. um whether those hard things are a result of our own sin or outside circumstances right. the Lord uses
0: those things and I think that that's really um beautiful um so now I guess jumping more to like present day yeah um, when you feel those big emotions or sadness, I mean, cause I'm assuming you're still walking through grief. Yeah. Like it's not like loss happens one time. I mean, you right. had a miscarriage in January yeah, and, um, that doesn't just go away. Yeah. Um, are there particular verses or pieces of scripture that you go to? Is there like even particular songs or anything that you do to like draw yourself back to Jesus? Yeah. Well, a few years ago, I started in the back of my
1: Bible, uh, just a section on grief so that anytime I heard a quote or a Bible verse or there's a sermon that was talked about, like I started just writing it down the back of my Bible to prepare myself for what was inevitable, which is Mm. that hard things are going to come. And so that's like my biggest piece of advice to anybody, especially if you are not walking through a season of grief prepare like what does God's word say about it what does and these are like I can see even you know through the past couple of years like different things that people have said or verses that have come about trials that have just stuck with me um but I think you know just as like a word picture I always think Jerry Sitzer in his book A Grace Disguised which is probably the best book on grief I've ever read Um, He talks about how we don't get over grief, but it sinks down into the soil of our souls, kind of like a decaying, something that's decaying. It goes into the, the dirt in our souls, and then it produces something, and it's slow, but it's like that's the nutrients that we need to be able to produce endurance and fruit and growth, and I've seen that play out again and again in my life that it's like the lessons I've learned in the really hard times are what um have made me trust and rely on the Lord in such beautiful ways but um I think let me see I haven't really looked at these but um yeah I mean it's trials are what make me remember my need for Jesus but um Colossians one seventeen is at the very top of this list for me, and it's that he holds all things together. And for me, oh, I yeah. need to remember that it's not me that holds all things when together. When you are a little
0: girl running around yes. trying to keep all the things together. Yes. Like, that, sh- that ought to be balm to your soul right,
1: right there. It's so comforting. I, mean, I remember when I was little, falling asleep at night and just holding my breath, like just wanting to like somehow control like something like – I just don't want, I want pain to go away for everybody in my life and for me. And, um, I also remember growing up, I would just be praying like, Lord, please come back before I finish my oatmeal in the morning. Like, please just come back. And I think there's something beautiful about that, that it's like grief makes us long for heaven, long for eternity and long to be with him. And so longing for the nearness of God is a really beautiful thing. Um, but yeah. it has to be done in conjunction with trusting in His sovereignty and trusting in His timing. And that you know, it's pain's not going to just go away. It is a part of life that we're called to, that we're promised. In mm-hmm. um, James one, talks about counting all joy when you experience trials. He doesn't say be joyful. It's not like trials produce joy in us, but right. it's like remembering, counting it, remembering that okay, um, this is going to produce something good in my Mm -hmm. life and in my story Mm -hmm. and um if nothing else to be able to sympathize and walk other people through hard things too you know pain is the universal language in this world and that is the thing that is so cool about ministering to other people is that so often the lord will line up our pain points Mm -hmm. and for somebody who doesn't know jesus they don't have that hope for somebody that does have Jesus, that's the answer. For them to know Jesus is oftentimes the hard things that they're going through. Right. So,
0: I think, you know, it can be really tricky to talk to someone who has experienced a loss. I mean, and all of us in some form, way, or fashion has experienced yeah. a loss. Um, certainly some bigger um, than others, but there's this fear of like, do I say anything to Christy? Like, she looks like she's having a good day. I don't want to make her sad. Or like, what if I say the wrong thing? Um, But you, when you were looking in the back of your Bible, looking at different things you've written down on grief, you said that some of it is like things that people have told you. Mm -hmm. So the words of others have been really edifying and encouraging to you. Like, would you have any, I don't know, like tips or like what were things or what are things that people have said to you in those moments of loss that have been really encouraging? Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I think for me,
1: when there is loss, it's like, I need somebody to have the real accountability conversations with me. Mm. And I feel like so often (laughs) when I've gone through something really hard, it's like people who would normally be holding me accountable to time in the word, people who would normally be holding me accountable to, um, you know, what am I watching? How am I spending my time? It's like those people just disappear because they don't want to offend me but I think that those are the times when I need the most the most the accountability, most. right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, are you spending time with the Lord? What are you le- learning? What is the Lord teaching you? And of course, like right after something really hard has happened, there yeah. is a time for just like being present with somebody. I think that that's very true. Um, but also, if you are talking to somebody who has lost somebody and they are a believer and walking with Jesus, then... They still need those friendships, those people to say, hey, like, where is your hope being found right
0: now, you know? Yeah. And um, and even just reminding them yes. of where your hope is found. Right. Um, totally. I think, you know, I don't know what this says about me, but when I have experienced hardships or even, I mean, we all experienced coronavirus 2020 this year, you know, like <sighs> – once again, like, we all lost something Mm -hmm. in March, April, May, Um, whether it was a vacation or perhaps even a loved one. I think I found myself searching for the silver lining. Yeah. Like, going to any positive that could (laughs) come out of this. And there were some, you know, and, and not to dismiss, you know, positives that can come out of hardships. But I do think there could sometimes be like a like, maybe you'll watch yourself if your very first inclination is to run to, like, what kind of good thing can come out of this. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, maybe that's me being exactly like you and, like, <laughs> fleeing the emotion of it. But I just think about, like, I so value that during that time we saw, like, corporate mm-hmm. lamenting. Mm-hmm. Like, people from all over do not different denominations, everything, like, coming together and just being okay to be sad and to like say this is hard yeah um it's okay to not be okay yeah and and it's and it's all in scripture yeah I mean the psalms Good heavens David is just pouring out his heart like I am not okay you know I'm so sad um but yeah I I don't know just thinking through that of like There is, of course, no perfect timeline Mm -hmm. of like, okay, now you're wallowing, time to get up. But I don't know, like when you have experienced loss, like have you found a like, okay, I've given myself this time to grieve or maybe let all these emotions out and now – I'm gonna start moving. Yeah. Like, how does that work? I don't, you know, because for me, a more action oriented person, (laughs) it's like, okay, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going, you know? And like, once again, I just so value people who can just no. I'm going to take a week, I'm going to take a month or whatever, and I'm just going to be sad and it's okay to be sad. I don't know. Like, do you have anything to say to that? Like, because Once again, I think in the family I grew up in, and I love my family, Mm. we're kind of similar in the emotions of like, I remember, you know, and once again, I have, I love my mom for this. She's a spitfire, but I remember like playing softball and starting to like cry on the mound. I was pitching and I was so frustrated and I started to cry and she came out there and so much wisdom was like, you know, control what you can control. You cannot control the umpire. You cannot control the defense. (laughs) You just do the best you can. But then she goes, we do not cry. Mm -hmm. She was like, you can cry if you are injured. You can cry if you win a state championship. You can cry if you lose a state championship. But other than that, we're not crying. And once again, I love my mom. I think that's hilarious and there's so much good in that yes but there's also this like underbelly of like no don't you cry yeah and i don't know like what would you say to that like because there is a wallowing Mm. well there's I mean even as a little
1: kid you're experiencing the brokenness of the world that this is not how it's supposed to be it's not fair it's yeah not, it hurts call the strike yes yeah, like <laughs> strike her strike. out <laughs> and I think that that's I mean that reminder of this is not how it's supposed to be and just sitting in that I mean the grief of the cross is just so heavy mm-hmm. you know and um the fact that the cross had to happen i think the more that we are able to identify with really hard things the more we realize oh my goodness jesus took the weight of all of that on yes. himself and so if we just brush over our emotions and we're like i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine we're it's almost like we're stealing the weight of yeah like cheapening it cheapening the cheapening the gospel cheapening you know what christ did on the cross and Um, so, I mean, that's what, like you said, the Psalms is all full of lament and this is heavy. This is hard. And I don't know what the line is between like what is wallowing and what is self pity and what is proper lament. But I do know that again, we've got to turn to the Lord who created Mm -hmm. us and he knows us so intimately and he knows my heart and he knows exactly what I would experience, how I'd experience it, and how I'd feel when Mm -hmm. I experienced it. And so trusting him with those emotions and taking them to him and saying, Lord, like, help me. This is really hard.
0: When, now that you've said, I think self-pity is a great word. Like, the moments when I can look back on my life and go, oh, yeah, I was totally wallowing. Mm -hmm. It's that, it was a, like, being so consumed with myself. Yeah. It was a constant look inward where, like, uh, yeah, I'm just feeling immense self-pity. Right. like I'm not taking these emotions to the Lord. I'm just like taking them within myself and probably my husband and making him miserable <laughs> with me, right? Like I think there that could be the answer right there yeah. is like, are you turning more to yourself or are you turning more to God? Yeah, because um, I think as long as you're turning to God, then yeah, feel feel the feels.
1: Feel those feels. Feel the I don't feels. like feeling the feels, but I feel <laughs> that it is good and it's healthy and it's yes. how we yes. um, process and we were created that way. So,
0: yeah. um, So I guess kind of on that note, what encouragement would you give to someone who's walking through a season of grief right now? Yeah. Just. I'm so thankful
1: that we have a God that came down into our suffering. He didn't just make us to be able to be emotional people, but he actually sent his son to walk with us through the greatest suffering that any human has ever experienced. And, um, you know, loneliness, isolation, like all those things that we feel even bigger when we're going through something really hard, especially in 2020. Jesus felt that the utmost on the cross when his father turned his back on him and Mm -hmm. he was completely and entirely alone and he did that so that we would never have to fully be alone. And I just think God wants to be with us and that is incredibly comforting to me in my heart when I'm going through something really hard is that we have a God who not only knows but he understands um, in a really intimate and personal way. And so hold on to that truth surround yourself with people who are gonna be gentle with your heart and and check in on how you know what's heavy that day but who are also gonna be able to remind you of truth that maybe you can't remember for yourself when you're in the middle of that like really yes. dark season um, so I don't know if I have like any brilliant words of wisdom other than just remember the gospel and I think you said it really it. is
0: enough you are not alone <laughs> yeah you know yeah. like jesus is very much so acquainted with our suffering yeah um but then you also said surrounding yourself like you are also not alone like here on this earth like there are people within this own church who have probably experienced whatever it is you are experiencing how has that played out with you like how has community um whether it's home group friends family whatever how has that played out in your own life is there any way that You're like, oh, my gosh, if it hadn't been for this community. Yeah.
1: I mean, it hasn't played out perfectly. And I think I want everybody to hear that because you're, again, I tend to just feel so alone when I'm feeling really big things or when I'm walking through something. I'm like, I'm the only one who's Mm -hmm. ever experienced that, which is not true. But in the moment, it feels true. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is just we need to acknowledge that people don't know how to handle other people's grief. Partly because it's not universal. The Mm -hmm. way that one person processes is different than somebody else. So you can't say, well, so-and-so who lost a baby or had a miscarriage, they told me that they wish somebody had done this. So that's going to work for you too. And so I just think, you know, let's give each other grace. You know, when you're the one walking through something hard, give other people grace around you. And if you're Mm -hmm. the person walking somebody else through something, give yourself grace too that – ask the Holy Spirit to show you how to love them well. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, truly just having other women to just walk through hard things with has been really, really important in our home groups. I mean, we've just, we've had really, really awesome home groups who've prayed for us and loved us and called us and brought us meals and just done so many things um, that we're encouraging. And, yeah, I'm very, very thankful for the body of Christ. And that, I think, is God's showing off when his people come forward and really like step up to the plate and meet those kind of physical needs or emotional needs. And, um, you know, I think when I felt the loneliness is when I haven't reached out and been willing to say, hey, I'm really struggling. And that's hard for me to do. Like it takes humility to say like, I'm hurting, I'm grieving, or I cried all night last night. Like that's really a hard thing to say. But when I've done that, it's been so rewarding because people... People are willing to listen, and people want to be there. Yes, Um,
0: I think that's you know. So I talked to Catherine Stein, yeah, and um, love that girl. (laughs) She's a gem. (laughs) Um, But you know, she talked about just seeing like the body of Christ truly become a body. Yeah, I think that's what you're what you're describing. Like, I think people within the Christian faith, and honestly, we see this a lot of people with a lot of people who are not believers like i really do think a lot of people do want to be there for you yeah they like they really do and i think um i remember telling her like just bring food like every person needs sleep and Mm -hmm. they need food so if you are able to help provide one of those things for a person
1: chances are it's a
0: great (laughs) help you know i guess i mean you know I just think it's so funny I'm like you don't have to do anything extraordinary like you don't have to have the perfect words or like a perfectly curated speech like just drop off a meal like it's always helpful
1: yes (laughs) I don't know
0: maybe it's just me because I'm obsessed with food but like I'm like no I like I will always
1: receive food I mentioned to a friend Couple of months ago, I was like, "I'm working late every night. I'm so exhausted." And she showed up the next day at my work with Chick Fil A. That's what's up. And I was like, "Yep, that's exactly what my heart." I just that made me mm-hmm. feel so loved. I guess mm-hmm. the way to my heart is through Chick Fil A. But, <laughs> um, but it was it was like she listened to me. She heard yes. what I was saying. She yes. heard kind of the underlying like I'm feeling overwhelmed. But also, whenever somebody's saying I'm feeling like overwhelmed or I'm. You know, X, Y, or Z, oftentimes there's like an underlying like I'm lonely in this. Mm-hmm. And so just like being present, stepping up and her just coming and seeing her face at my office.
0: I was like, This is good for my soul. That's awesome. But it's a good friend. Sweet friend. Um, so I've so enjoyed this. Certainly it was heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was heavy. But I think it's just so good. And once mm-hmm. again, like I said, I mean we have all experienced some form of loss in our life mm-hmm. and honestly in twenty twenty. Vacation. A life um I think we've all just uh, the plans all the plans have changed this year and so I think just ex- you laying out so clearly like not to run from emotion mm-hmm. and tying that with how yeah Jesus is familiar mm-hmm. um it's just really encouraging and really like <sighs> yeah, I can take a deep breath like I'm not it's not just me um so thank you so much for real absolutely so fun talking with you (laughs) I'm so glad um and I feel like now girls are gonna be lined up at your door they're gonna go like come on like Christy let's (gasps) chat I (laughs) love that (laughs)
1: nothing would make me happier
0: um all right well anything else any final words you need to leave us with
1: oh man just so thankful for You and Redeemer and for the gospel being the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, no matter what our circumstances hold. Because who knows with 2020? It's not over yet. so It's not over yet, but that'll preach. Big holiday
0: energy. Big holiday energy. Needed for the rest of (laughs) the season. (laughs) Thank you, Uh, Thanks. Thanks, Christy. You're the best.